0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman, standing at the ready to guard our lives, protect our liberties, and fight for justice. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, here to do all of that for you, to give you all of the information, strategies, and personal advice how to deal with this. And yes, we are going to get into... A lot of personal advice. We're going to have more guests on throughout the coming days and weeks. How to deal with your health, how to protect yourself from COVID, COVID fascism, and other things as well. You know, in times like this, it's so hard to know what to focus on. As I move into one genocidal tactic of the left and to try to combat it, I forget about the first things. It's like we've been so into, obviously... The treatment, the lack of treatment, the killing in the hospitals, outpatient, as well as the injection injuries and the data and the information, what to do about it. And then we forget the the old issues are still alive. To this day, a year and a half later, almost two years, they're still forcibly masking kids in numerous states and really numerous cities within red states as well. We had the victory last night in the New York Supreme Court. But the shocking thing is, oh, it's unconstitutional. Well, how was this allowed to go on to cover the breathing holes of children, even if it worked? Certainly that it doesn't work and spreads bacterial uh, infections, fungi. How do we allow this to go on for even a day? Where is everyone? I can't do everything. But so, you know, I go back and forth. So today we're going to focus as much as we can on the mask battle. But. Each one of these things, I have irons in the fire to help politically, legislatively, you know, just advice-wise. We have different organizations and people we're partnering with uh, to to deal with all of this. I, I first want to just announce a new sponsor for today that ties very much into this. You know, a lot of people are calling me about. Long COVID, obviously impending COVID, they just got diagnosed with it, vaccine injury. We actually had a doctor on the show a while ago, Dr. Saeed Haider. He successfully treated over 4,000 COVID-19 patients with zero deaths using off-label meds, um, including ivermectin, fluvoxamine. He treated over 10,000 patients with ivermectin prophylactically, and less than one in a thousand caught it. So he has he has a remarkable record. He has a uh, telehealth, my go to doc.com. M-Y-G-O-T O D-O-C dot com. Where he could help solve your problems here. I'm getting so many emails and I I don't know where to send people. So, you know, he makes sure that. You are connected with the proper doctor. Because right now we have the problem. We have the doctor problem. You can't get a doctor. You can't get a pharmacy. Um, So if you go to mygotodoc.com, it allows patients to get meds before they get sick so they can start using them on day one when they're most effective. Most local pharmacies refuse to fill ivermectin, and most mail-order ones charge excessively. The team at mygotodoc.com found the few... That charge $150 or less for 28 doses of ivermectin and ship straight to your door. Again, that's mygotodoc.com to get your prescriptions uh, right away. Register for free to ask questions via chat at no charge for as long as you need, by the way, mygotodoc.com. And Yeah, I mean, we're going to keep giving you multiple options, as many options as as you can get. Each one is designed for a little different niche, and depending on your circumstances, some will be better. But folks, the, the, the depth, both vertically and horizontally, of this genocide is so vast and numerous. I don't have enough hours in the day to deal with all of it. So we had the news from this morning that the FDA is suspending all monoclonal antibodies. Folks, if you did I'm not even saying the monoclonals are the greatest thing around. It's one of many tools that we have. You know, whenever you're dealing with antibodies, you do have the risk of autoantibodies. Um, I believe some of the other stuff is even safer, but certainly, you know, with people who can't follow the protocol, the monoclonals was a one monotherapy that you do it early enough. It had had pretty good results. Folks, I know people still getting Delta. It's not just Omicron. Thank God it's just Omic—it's mainly Omicron, and, and most Omicron doesn't need to be treated, but it's better to treat it. Why not? But there are people getting cytokine storms. There are people getting hospitalized to this week, and yet they're suspending it. Just two weeks ago, a, a report from New Jersey, New Jersey's government, showed about half the cases were still Delta. So, this is genocide. But then the same jerks will turn around and say, you're still infectious. This is the game I'm hearing in the hospitals now. A guy will come and they'll say, you're beyond the monoclonals. This was before they suspended it. Oh, so you're saying the viral replication stage is completely over. It's only inflammation. Not that they'll treat the inflammation with anything anti-inflammatory that actually works, but... The monoclonals don't work. But then they'll they'll use it to tell the family, no, the wife cannot come in to see her husband or whatever the patient is because he's still infectious. Huh? What, wait, but you just said antivirals don't work because he's not, he's past the viral replication stage. These cruel SOB genocidal Nazis will play both ends of the stick to be as cruel as And as inhumane to both the patient and the loved ones as possible. So they'll play both ends of the stick. But again, you know, the Florida governor and all other governors need to use this as an impetus to say, all right, you're taking away the monoclonals. Now we are fully invested behind ivermectin and numerous other things. And we're going to ban the pharmacies from blocking. We're going to ban the medical boards from getting involved. We're going to encourage the doctors to treat. Now there's no excuse. If they get rid of the monoclonals... You got it. You got to go into the other treatment. But but again, folks. They are able to go not just a day, a week, a month, a year and a half, almost two years, depending on the policy where it's illogic, inhumane, immoral, illegal. It violates every foundational legal, medical, scientific principle, whether it's the masking, whether it's the lockdowns, whether it's the blocking of treatment, whether it's the administering of remdesivir, now even outpatient, the more it turns out that it's toxic, the more they push it. And they get away with it. How are we still at the point? And it gets worse. There's numerous school districts that are now mandating N95s, N95s, when blatantly everywhere we are finding, throughout the government literature, state and federal, they always said kids absolutely must never wear N95s. First of all, they can never be effective. They're not fit for, for kids. But second of all, if they would be fit, right, if they're not fit, then they work less than a cloth mask. If they are fit, it is a terrible, terrible safety concern. Where are the lawsuits? Where? I mean, literally, this is the type of thing that would have gotten school administrators a year in prison had, this, uh, had they done this before. It's truly unbelievable. By the way, Stephen Petty, he's the senior industrial hygienist we've had on, um, the biggest expert, I'd say, in the country on on uh, hazardous exposure. And he sent me a PowerPoint of what he's presenting to the New Hampshire legislature. But, interestingly enough, 3M, it's the largest American... Um, American manufacturer of N95s called 3M. He sent me the label and it says on the manufacturer's label, the respirator is designed for occupational professional use by adults who are properly trained in their use and limitations. The respirator is not designed to be used for children. It's straight up on the label of the manufacturer, yet, business, you know, schools could get away. I was going to say businesses. They're violating it, too, because even though they're adults, they're not fit tested, they don't get a medical exam, um, they're not trained in it, and they don't wear it properly. But children is black and white. Yet they get away with it. How does this go on for even a day? How does this go on for a day? Where are the lawsuits? Where are the state legislatures? Again, state legislatures need to categorically ban all mask mandates, private or public. It's inhumane. It violates the Nuremberg Code. They don't work. They're harmful. The science is settled on that point. The only thing that could possibly work would cut off your oxygen, and you, you need to be trained in that. You can only wear it for a limited period of time. Fit tested, can't have a beard. I have to undergo a prior medical exam. These are OSHA's own... Guidelines. Own guidelines. And yet, where are the states? And and, and, and anyone who forcibly masks a child five years in prison, who's going to be the first person to write that bill? I'll take them out for lunch. All right? We need, it is time, because this is happening in red states, by the way. Republican governors, if they were worth more than a bucket of spit they would have a Little Rock moment. Uh, One of our listeners, longtime listeners from Virginia, Fred, sent this to me. Where's the Little little Rock moment where Eisenhower sent the National Guard out to safely escort the the black children to the schools? Same thing here. Safely escort the children that don't have a Chinese diaper on their breathing holes. Their freaking breathing holes! How do we allow this to go on? Why am I the only one in my private school last year that took my kids out? This year, they don't do it um but last year they did I took them out I was the only one in the school that did that by the way It's unbelievable how this is allowed to go on Every red state governor must send out their national guards to escort children to school in the major blue cities to protect them Atlanta they they have the mandate as well By the way the manufacturer says also individuals with a compromised respiratory system such as asthma Emphysema should consult a physician and must complete a medical evaluation prior to use. And yet people are now in jobs that are demanding, they, they have asthma, they're demanding they use it against the manufacturer's label. Nothing matters, nothing matters anymore. Now, it's not just the medical industry that's pushing unsafe crap on us. The big food industry is pushing horrible meat with antibiotics, um, all sorts of toxins they put in it what if i told you i can get you sizzling steak with free filet mignon if you register with moink box an american eighth generation farmer who has the best grass-fed meat and chicken natural naturally caught alaskan salmon no garbage in them no hormones no sugar and you, you won't be supporting the big food cartel that has been given an artificial monopoly by the government. Let's keep it real again. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com, moink is an oink, M-O-I-N-K box.com, slash conservative right now, and listeners to this show, get free filet mignon for a year if you sign up for one of their boxes. Uh, that's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, and the healthiest, by the way, too, but this is limited time, it's spelled M-O-I-N-K box. Moinkbox.com slash conservative. That's moinkbox.com slash conservative. Get healthy. Get tasty meat. And stop funding the big food cartel. So as we fight one cartel after another, by the way, Israel just approved their fourth mRNA dose for 18 and above. They now have they now have so many cases. It's one in sixteen in sixteen Israelis is now infected with COVID at least according to their testing 1 in 16 of their entire country they're on four, do, 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 dose number 4 negative efficacy ade as we talked about it's it's proven you can't deny it it's pretty obvious at this point now i want to we're going to have a special guest ian miller who wrote a book on masks and the motherload of epidemiological geographical data showing how they absolutely positively do not work And have never worked, and yet still, Republicans won't even force the issue here. But I want to get to another story about unmasking the genocide. I was in a horrible mood yesterday, as a lot of you heard the pain in my voice. I still am. Um, You know, when you see friends go down, being mistreated, people dying for nothing. But... One of the things that I was very scared about was how are we ever going to get the truth out about the VAX injuries? They're covering it up. VAERS is so underreported, and even what's in there, they're saying, oh, you can't rely on it. I get fact-checked for even using theirs. Likely two three 300,000 people have died, but that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the short term, and it's as appalling as that is, millions of people the evidence based on the mechanisms of action based on what we're seeing based on what we're hearing based on all the studies that even with the censorship are coming out the long-term mutated spike that's in people's monocytes the neurological issues the heart issues the circulatory you know blood hematological issues and then there's there, there's several buckets there's the inflammation from the spike there's the inflammation and toxicity from the lipid nanoparticles, which go everywhere. There are, um, you know, it's everywhere. I mean, th- th- then, then there's the suppression of the immune system, the original antigenic sin, the suppression of the cytotoxic T cells, so it's going to, uh, the autoantibodies, so both from the autoimmune antibodies and also from the lack of T cells. And then there's the cancer, the cancers. And you know Ryan's seen it in his data, in his, um, in his lab, in the biopsies. He's conferred with other people. He he could explain the mechanism of action, but we don't have hardcore data to prove it. Well, that is until now. See, it's hard to say. Oh, I'm an oncologist. I see a lot of cancer now. It's kind of hard to you know. It's kind of anecdotal. You know, because, well, you know, it's an open-ended universe and anyone with cancer is going to come to you. It's hard to prove that scientifically. What is the best data set you would ever want? And the answer is the military. The military is a confined, defined, finite universe that has the most heavily surveillance and monitoring healthcare system. And what's particularly jarring about any safety signals that will emanate from military data is that it's, it's overwhelmingly a young, very young, healthy, fit population. So in other words, you know, let's say I'm just making up numbers. You have like a low number of cancers in a given year in the military, and then suddenly you have a threefold increase. There's something wrong in there. When you suddenly have 20-year-olds coming in with sudden metastatic cancer that kills them in three seconds, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you get my point there's something wrong there. Yesterday, Senator Ron Johnson, to his ever-enduring credibility, kudos to him, held a five-hour forum. You can go to Ron Johnson's Rumble page and find it near the top. You could hear the entire recording. They went over all the facets of the genocide, the war on treatment, the, what's going on in the hospitals, vaccine injury, I didn't know this was going to happen. I knew broadly he was working on this, but Thomas Renz, the attorney from Ohio, we had him on the show a couple times last time, last week. He negotiated with Senator Johnson. um, So Senator Johnson felt and his office that this was vetted enough to air this publicly. I'm going to say what he said publicly, and then I'm going to add a couple of things that I could talk about, because I not only know Thomas Renz, but I know two of the three public whistleblowers that he named under um, perjury. He has them signing documents under threat of perjury that he is going to submit before federal courts. But he actually has other whistleblowers as well that he hasn't named yet to to protect them. But three of them have been named. And he presented in a couple minutes data from the Armed Forces Health Surveillance Branch. They have something called DMED. Defense Medical Surveillance Systems. Okay? Um, No, I'm sorry. I skipped the E. Defense Medical Epidemiology Database. What does this do? It's defined on their website as a web-based tool to remotely query de-identified active component personnel and medical event data contained within the Defense Medical Surveillance System. DMED, it basically has all of the ICD codes, right? These are like the medical billing codes, same as you have in the regular you know, civilian hospital system, uh, outpatient. It has it in, in the most searchable. You can imagine the military is going to want to monitor the health. When, when you're in the military, you're controlled by the military. You're never going to get better surveillance and monitoring than this. This is their ICD codes, There are doctors, all doctors had access to this. And there are several that have worked on querying this. And let me first go um, what he revealed, Thomas Wrens revealed from these doctors. The ones he named were the military doctors, Samuel Singloff, Peter Chambers, and Teresa Long. Peter Chambers, we had on the show two weeks ago, talked about it. He's a Green Beret MD, one of the few around in America 34 years of experience. Teresa Long, I think she's been there for 30 years, a flight surgeon. They're both flight surgeons. Um, and they are willing, to they have now put their names out to testify under oath about that they queried data in December. And here's what they did. They took a five-year baseline. So they took the average ICD codes that you have for 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020 vaccine and they were remarkably it's not just an average that they built but they're remarkably consistent year to year pretty close every year and by the way that includes 2020 2020 is when you had a lockdown so maybe you'll say physicians didn't see the patients so well and maybe you have 2021 you'll have a bounce back effect right no the numbers were pretty consistent um you know maybe you'll say it's covid causing it well, then you would see it in 2020 just as much as 2021, right? And you didn't. There's a five-year consistent average that 2020 is in sync with the previous four and they created a five-year average. Then they took 2021 and they compared it to it. Now, they did this in December, the data lags. So the numbers I'm gonna share with you are not a full 12 months of 2021. It's 10 months compared to 12-month years in the five-year average baseline. So the numbers are going to be even more when they come out. They found a 300% increase in DMED codes for miscarriages over the five-year average. They found almost a 300% increase in cancer diagnosis ICD codes over the five-year average in the 10 months of 2021. And they found a 1,000% increase in diagnosis codes for neurological issues, so that would be brain bleed, brain bleeds, um, vertigo, strokes, um, you know, brain fog. I mean, any anything to do with that. It went from so the neurological. I can give you some raw numbers. Eighty-two thousand was the five-year average of the annual. Just in the first ten months of 2021, eight hundred sixty-three thousand, tenfold. Increase, 863,000. Now, just I just want to be clear here. There's, I don't know what, like 1.4 million active duty in the military. These are not 863,000 unique people, right? These are codes, codes, right? So obviously, if someone has a stroke, you're going to have numerous diagnoses. There's going to be numerous neurological ICD codes. So it's not unique people, but nonetheless, again, this is apples to apples comparison. We're not saying these are individuals. We're saying these are codes, but it went from 82,000 to 863,000 in one year. Cancer, 38,700 per year, five-year average, 114,645. I could say that publicly. Um, those are the raw numbers behind the percentage that uh, Thomas Renz gave at um, Ron John's hearing. I, I, I was further told that they will present a video that hasn't been presented yet with two witnesses showing the entire process on video of them downloading the data. So just so you know, as a Monday morning, the DMED was up. Any military doctor, as always, could search it. An hour after Thomas Renz testified before Ron John about this happening, it was taken down. And now even as a civilian, if you just go to the page, type in DMED, database, whatever, you'll get a 404 error code. It's down. Okay, it's down now. I was told I spoke to two of the three named whistleblowers. I, I personally spoke to them one last night, one this morning. They told they both said this is the tip of the iceberg. In other words, there's tons of stuff on blood clotting and myocarditis and it, it, it's it's this is the tip of the iceberg. And I was told again, it's not just the data they have personally, they are flight surgeons. they have personally seen 20 year olds getting sudden metastatic cancer. so it's not just the numbers, but it's the quality. Everything about this is a bioweapon. so the blood clotting is a Frankenstein it, 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 it's persistent. it doesn't break up with heparin with the typical things we use the you know the neurological stuff. it's very durable. so they're finding that with the cancers too. They're aggressive they're they're sudden they create death very quickly they come out of nowhere it just doesn't fit anything we've ever seen in the oncological world okay i am just i am just relating to you what i have heard firsthand from two military flight surgeons with an amazing amount of credibility um what they've seen but they have pulled this data they have pulled this data. It is there. There is nowhere to run. There is nowhere to hide. It's a young, fit population. Um, and, and by the way, there's data going back maybe a decade before 2016. The only reason why they, they could use like a 15-year average, the only reason they did five is because ICD codes have different generations. Every few years, the medical community, they change them. So what was a stroke or a neurological event in one, the numbers will change They're not apples to apples. I don't know if it was 2016 or 2014 or around then that they started. It's called ICD-10. Before then, it was ICD-9. So you can't use the data from before. That's just so you know why they used that data. That's what I was told. On the Military Health System website, they described the Armed Forces Health Surveillance Division as the central epidemiologic resource for the U.S. Armed Sor- Forces conducted medical surveillance to protect those who serve our nation in uniform and allies who are critical to our national security interests. So, folks, this is not just a backhanded. It's like a billing system, you know, because this is what they usually bill TRICARE, which is the active duty service. It's mainly, to my knowledge, mainly serviced through through uh, Humana. So it's not just insurance billing, but it was designed. It's not just, oh, this is billing data, which is a great safety signal to use epidemiologically, which it, sh- which it would be. It's more than that. It was designed specifically 100% as an epidemiological surveillance system to monitor the well-being and trends of different health issues of military service members. You're not going to get anything better than this. This is the smoking gun that we've been looking for, from what I've been told. There's no middle ground. Either they're lying, or for whatever reason, top military officials were trying to create mass insurance fraud, or... This thing is is a holocaust. I don't take, I don't revel in this. Meaning, I'm a political animal. I want the best data to prove my point of view and rub it in the other side's face. But I really was so depressed when I saw this. Because deep down, I think we all sense that it's much bigger than even any of us are suspecting. But the implications of this are insane. You kill two, three hundred thousand people, it's horrible. But if there's millions upon millions, tens of millions of people that will now be subject to long-term syndromes, autoimmune, and cancers, aggressive metastatic cancers, it, it just shocks the conscience. It shocks the conscience. So, um you know, I'm going to work with, with both Thomas Renz. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not just, see, you get the best information here. I'm not just, you know, giving over what Thomas said publicly. You could view the video. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's four to four and a half hours in to the video. Um, you just kind of, you know, speed through it until you see Thomas Renz pop up. He's not there for that long. Um But again, you know, Ron John was confident his office was confident enough to have him say this publicly um but i i, I don't just know Thomas Wrens. I know two of the sources behind it that he named um and th- they would go public tomorrow. They just want to run it through Thomas and you know have it coordinated. And I could tell you what he released is the tip of the iceberg. Now, there's a second component to this which has nothing to do with Teresa Long and Peter Chambers but other whistleblowers that I do not know a separate issue that he spoke about which is Project Salis that is a DOD surveillance together with Humetrics a private like you know data aggregating company where they look at hospitalizations and this is more for this is civilian this is for the country, not just the military, where they said as of September 28th, 71% of the cases and 60% of the hospitalizations were among the vaccinated. And again, that was That that was that was uh, almost four months ago. By now, the numbers are much worse. So when they say even to this day, oh, 90% in the hospital, bull, they have the data. Project Salus, they have the data. The, again, this is the best data. What they also believe is that this is a surveillance system that the military, that the Pentagon has. So DMED is of the military, but Project Salis would be epidemiological data, not just of the COVID cases, because COVID cases are breakthrough infections. That's one adverse event of the vaccines that they have it designed. This was their surveillance system designed for the general public, and they're not public. So I don't think they have that data. They have the infection breakthrough data, but they know it's there, and they're demanding they release that, okay? So there's, they could say, oh, that anyone could put in, even though I forget the exact percentage, but more than half are put in by medical professionals. Um, but I, but what I could tell you about DMED and Project Salis, this is, and and DMED for sure, it's a hundred percent the doctors. So this is there's no uh, civilians have no access to this, right? and and the military officials that aren't doctors don't have access to it. A patient comes in at any um medical facility, active duty, military medical facility, military doctor. this is a hundred percent their surveillance. in in America, they' you know, I, I hear from ER doctors. They're not even punching in the ICD codes. Um, They don't have a lot of codes for this. They're ignoring it. In the military, they got it. Why? The military was seeing this safety signal from the first few months of the vaccine. How have they not spoken up? How have they not conveyed this to CDC? Maybe they did, but but CDC and the military don't care. How have they not warned the public? One other thing that Thomas is alleging, and I can't speak to it more than what he said in the video. I don't know more is um, specifically the myocarditis data. I don't have the numbers. I could probably get it from him, the raw numbers, but they had data as of July with the myocarditis that was insane. Um, Maybe he does say the number on the video. I'm forgetting. It was an insane number. It was like, I want to say, a tenfold increase of the baseline. And then it was the numbers were erased, and by January it was slid backwards to to only reflect like twofold increase. They were slid backwards, and they have that all time stamped. They have the evidence, and they're going to present it in court. So I'm horrified by the scope of of what's going on. I could tell you, um, you know, Teresa Long, Dr. Teresa Long, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long. She has been in tears over this. Um, you know, Peter, as you well know, he's already on his way out. He doesn't give a darn. So he even came on my show. Teresa's still in the military. Honestly, I, I'm 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 worried for her. Um, but it she she literally doesn't care about her life, or career anymore. She cannot go on from the data she's seen. And again, it's not just data. She is an active duty flight surgeon in the military. She is seeing the anecdotes that that jive with the data so as horrified as we are I am also excited just by the fact that I think if there's ever a way we're going to break this wide open it's this I just wanted you guys to know if you didn't hear about it I wanted you guys to know about it and if you did I wanted to vouch for it that it's a much bigger deal than you even think so we're going to be unmasking the genocide we're going to unmask the genocide of the maltreatment in the hospitals, the war on treatment, the treatment they are using. We're going to unmask the genocide of, you know, all the stuff going on outpatient, the pharmacies, who's behind it. We're going to unmask the genocide of the origins of COVID. We're going to unmask the genocides of the shots. We're going to unmask the genocide of the lockdowns as we find out more and more problems from it. And we're going to unmask the genocide. Look, okay, I, you know, I won't call it genocide because I don't think it's like killing a massive number of people. But the cruelty, it is going to cause a lot of developmental, emotional, and physical ailments of children, particularly of the masking. And with that, I want to get to our special guest today. Now, when we're talking about people like Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers and Lieutenant Colonel uh, Teresa Long, People that have given up their careers. They've sacrificed. God puts everyone in a place in life where they can make a difference. And this is, this is the difference between those few people and everyone else. Now we know how the Nazi regime took off because they went along with it. But we have a few doctors willing to speak out, use their position, whether to help people or expose things, expose data. Nurses, well, we're, we're going to have a nurse on in the next few days fr- from America's frontline nurses to discuss that. Different people have helped in different areas, but sometimes it's come from the most unlikely sources. You see, everyone thinks that you need triple letter, you know, alphabet soup degrees behind your name to have the right to use your freedom of speech and inform and educate and help people. But sometimes someone that just has a regular, ordinary job, they have a talent, and they use that God-given talent that likely God put them on this earth to do a specific task at a a specific time. And one of them is someone whom I know you guys are very, very familiar with, and that's Ian Miller. He has inspired so many of us. His Twitter handle is i a n m s c Ian M S C, and he has inspired and even humored a lot of us, gave us some comedic relief from this stressful, terrible period with his amazing mask charts. This is the man behind the mask charts, because what what the other side thrives at is isolating one point at one snapshot to engage in optical illusions to to fool you. What he has done is he's shown the full full picture, continuity of observations from nearly two years of every state, every country. He has hundreds, if not thousands of mass charts that show the entire spectrum of, oh, well, you had the mass mandate and it worked until it didn't work, and then it worked again and didn't work, and they all worked at the same time. And he has these humorous different things like, you know, he'll have a benchmark in the chart, you know, when the media said they defeated COVID with the mass and then it came back 10 times harder afterwards. And, you know, all sorts of presentations. A lot of people are like, I want this study, that study. Do you know what's better than a study? You know what's better? Reality. What Ian's work demonstrates is he, a study is like, okay, we have a new virus. It's March, 2020. Let's embark on the mass inhumane experiment and mask everyone. Do you think it will work or not? Well, we don't know. We haven't tried it. So we wouldn't engage in some sort of study. But but w- months into this, it became abundantly clear that there was zero correlation, much less causation, anywhere between auspicious outcomes, better rates of of, of infection, and mask wearing, even though like where I live it was a hundred percent. And certainly where, where he lives, Ian is you know, he works in the entertainment industry. He's not into science, not into math, not into although he's good at math, not into not a doctor, but his work has been cited by the best doctors working on this, the best epidemiology epidemiologists and really has been submitted in a lot of court cases as well. Now he has put it all together and and please please um do us a favor uh, just to get the word out. he has come out with a book available wherever you get books un. Masked the Global Failure of COVID Mask Mandates. And Ian Miller is with us today to discuss this. Ian, thanks so much for joining Blaze Media today.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me and for all the kind words. I really appreciate it.
0: And I appreciate you. I mean, look, you're, you're I've embedded your tweets in like half my articles. I've had probably 200 articles on COVID and you're in half of them. Um, what got you started into this way of depicting the 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 growth and rise and fall of the epidemiological curves juxtaposed to the mass mandates
1: well there are some there are some people doing it on twitter i thought you know this is great this is a really good way to visualize you know what what have we done and what has the impact been and kind of like you were alluding to if, if the impact was so important that we have to do this and we have to you know torture children and and force masking on everybody the results should be immediately obviously beneficial you know we should be able to see it every time you look at a curve it should say mask mandates went in here cases dropped they didn't go back up you know 20 30 percent like you say in some cases it should be immediately beneficial and, and and an effect that should be demonstrable repeatedly and in the long term and i noticed that pattern you know probably in summer 2020 that it just wasn't having any impact and That kind of got me started to doing it. And and here we are almost two years later, and we're still doing it.
0: (laughs) So now I want to go to the here and now, kind of jump, you know, 16 months or 20 months. Um, Where are we right now? You know, before it was kind of murky. Some states didn't have a mandate, but even within the red states, most of the big cities did. A a heck of a lot of people were wearing them anyway because they were brainwashed. But now, there at least from the mask perspective, there are large swaths of the country that, that you know a lot of people don't wear them. But then you do have you know a bunch of states. My county has a full blown mask mandate. I think you could speak personally to California as a, an, an, an impervious mandate. Um, what if you would run correlation? Have you run correlation, kind of putting them all together and plotting them cumulatively together?
1: Yes, I have, and and just like in, I showed this in the book, and, and just like in all the previous times, the states with mask mandates are currently doing worse than the states without mask mandates. Um, and I've done this when you look at local areas, like you mentioned California. For six months, Los Angeles County had a mask mandate in place from, from July basically through the end of the year, that and Orange County did not, and next door neighboring Orange County, and LA did worse every single day of that entire time period. And you know the numbers are the same today. Always does worse in Orange County. So everywhere you look, every time you make these comparisons, and that was really what I wanted to do with the book, is to to record this and show it repeatedly. Every time you make these comparisons, the area with mask mandates do worse. It's not even just oh that they're doing the same. A lot of times they're they're doing worse. And so that's the exact opposite of what you would expect. It's the exact opposite of what we were told. And. All of these politicians that, that run these areas like L.A., like you know, Montgomery County, Maryland, they just completely ignore the data because it contradicts what they want. It contradicts their political goals, and it's just infuriating to see it play out. But it's the same story today as it was in 2020 and 2021. The masks just aren't working.
0: I don't know when it was that I contacted you, but you'll remember this. I called you up. I want to say maybe it was April, May of last year, and I said, wait a minute your charts inspired me to look at this a certain way with the masking. And I said, this is a couple months into the vaccines. And I said to you, you'll remember this, right? I was like, am I imagining this or do we not see any degree of correlation between vax rates and, and, uh, case rates. And this, this was age. This is before the Delta broke out the ADE. I, I had no idea at the time what ADE was, what a leaky vaccine was, I, I, I was concerned about some of the side effects. I was concerned about some of the things I've heard in the time frame in which it was developed. It never struck me. I never for a minute thought that it wouldn't have robust efficacy. I um, you know, I never it never crossed my mind. I was like, I must be missing something. I said to you, could you run some charts on this? Well, you know, 9 months later, what are we seeing on the vaccine side?
1: Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that, and, and really you deserve a ton of credit for kind of being first on this to say, you know, are we sure that this is preventing transmission at all? Um, I mean, it, it is completely not working at all to prevent cases from rising, prevent infections, prevent transmission. It's not working at all. I mean, you can go back and look at all of these places that were supposed to be the, the gold standard of, of vaccination. I mean, Israel is, is just destroying every previous world record right now. For case rates adjusted for population, you know, Singapore it, last summer had a huge increase, and that was one of the first signs where I said, you know, this winter is going to be very interesting for the United States. And sure enough, I think that's exactly what we've seen play out. You know, Vermont and Maine, and I, I chronicle like local counties. Marin County in in California is the most heavily vaccinated county in the country and the numbers there are the highest they've ever been including hospitalizations so it you know you can go back and look at at Scotland and Wales and Ireland and the United Kingdom and all these areas that really were were leading the charge in terms of vaccinating everybody and the cases have broken records in all of those areas repeatedly so it's it you know the, the, the uh, severe illness aside, it's very obvious it's not preventing cases, and yet so many governments are still doubling down on these vaccine passports. It's, it's completely illogical. There's no scientific data to back it up, and it's it's just infuriating to see that they're not willing to admit reality.
0: Okay, so now what w- w- what they've done during every stage of the last two years is. Um, like it says in in the book of Kings, uh, Elijah to Ahab, have you killed and have you inherited? So they benefit from their malfeasance because precisely because it doesn't work allows them to parachute in and say, hey, you guys now need to do this, right? Without, you know, with humility, acknowledging that you failed the first thing and maybe we should be a little circumspect of your your second uh, demand. But no, they could just glide in. So now they're like, yeah, of course masks don't work, but you're going to wear an N95 respirator. Do you have any... Uh, data on that.
1: Ria, yeah, so this is a it's, a it's really frustrating as somebody who's been tracking this for a long time, because if you go to Germany, they have a few of their states have N95 mandates um, and others don't. So we already have been able to do this comparison where we could say these areas that had the mandates for N95 said they done better. And of course, the results are that the N95 mandates have done worse. So it makes perfect sense that politicians are now pushing this and especially, you know, pushing it onto little kids in school. But, you know, and Austria has had N95 mandates and they've broken all of their previous case records, uh, even with, you know, unvaccinated people in a, a lockdown for two and a half months. So all the real world evidence that we have is, on the areas that are already doing this is showing that it makes no difference, which is honestly perfect because nothing they've done has made any difference whatsoever. So, yeah, that it, it's, it's just completely absurd that they're pushing this now.
0: So one of the things that I've heard... So you have to understand the way this game works. Typically, you have to prove 100% scientifically that something is um, the least restrictive means to achieving a vital state interest and will actually work before you could begin restricting a fundamental right. That's legally how it works. Now, the way this has worked now is that we have to prove 100% with the scientific method, not just common sense and lived experience, that it doesn't work... Unless you know they, otherwise they could shove it on us. So they, they could throw out any. Well, it's not that, but this, but this, but this. So one of the things that they'll throw out is um this voodoo, no evidence. They just like like belch it out of their rear end. Um, well, okay. Um, it doesn't stop transmission, but somehow a chain link fence could stop more the amount of water coming in versus not having the chain linked <laughs> fence. So they they have this thesis that maybe somehow it will lower the viral load, so maybe you wouldn't get as infectious of a dose, which there's actually no such thing as that for a number of reasons, uh, scientifically. But let's just indulge it, I want to indulge it from a macro epidemiological standpoint, N- you know, not not the science. Um, so but so it will help You'll, you won't get as sick. So sh- am I right that if that were true, okay, so you won't see correlation with case rates, but you should at least see correlation with mass mandates and either hospitalizations deaths have you run that at all
1: yeah absolutely and you, i mean you can go back and look at all these examples and it's especially relevant in in the winter of 2020 into 2021 you know you see areas like california where they had a mass mandate and and some of the highest compliance anywhere and there, the death rates in the winter were as high as anywhere on earth. Los Angeles County especially was, was just tearing past all these other areas, uh, one of the highest in the, in the world, if they were a country. So there's no correlation between putting in a mask mandate and preventing deaths from rising or preventing some of the, the world's worst death rates. I mean, you can go back and look at uh, Peru, for example, where they've had a mask mandate and uh, one of the world's strictest lockdowns. They have the highest death rate in the world. Uh, you know, the Czech Republic is another example where, there was an entire campaign literally an entire like advertising campaign launched called masks for all based off of the Czech Republic setting this example of showing that mask mandates could work to prevent you know hospitalizations mm-hmm. and deaths from rising and then they wound up in the top 10 in mortality rates at uh, between in 2021 so the, the you know that whole thing of like oh yeah you can you might not stop transmission but you can prevent serious illness and death from with masking is just completely absurd and, and utterly disproven
0: Wow, that that's right. I, I forgot about that. I even wrote about that and used your charts. The Czech Republic. That that's where they credited Czech for defeating COVID with the mask, and they wound up having they're literally at the top there. They have one yeah. of the highest mortality rates, higher than America, higher than Western Europe, um, very high mortality. So it wasn't just a case rate. Um, really, really important. And again, I I just want you guys to understand to me what Ian's work represents is Yogi Berra. As uh, my buddy Dr. Andy Bostom keeps quoting from him, in theory, there's no difference between theory and practice, but in practice, there is. I mean, you could sit and have one of these Asperger-like, you know, Amelia Bedelia. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend anyone, but it's just I have no other way of expressing it. These like guys with the degrees that like look at everything without a modicum of common sense, like a study, like dude, like common sense would dictate. I mean, we know if there is correlation, still doesn't prove causation. But at a minimum, you would have some degree of correlation somewhere if it works that much that they say. And you don't. You don't. All right, Ian, next thing. So they say, here's another one. Um, you know, oh, uh, this was August, September 2021. They started with the twindemic, and they were warning that come the late fall of 2020 – no, I'm sorry, 2020, right? Uh, August, September 2020, that was the first season, winter we were headed into with, with COVID. They were like, we're going to have a twindemic. We're going to have COVID with the flu, and we're going to get crushed, and we're all going to die. And we were like, you idiots. And, and Kyle Lamb was really the first to do great research on it. He now works for, for um, Governor DeSantis in Florida – um, but he he did put out great work. And he was like, "Wait a minute, we already know that the flu disappeared in the southern hemisphere with their winter. Um, it just disappeared. It disappeared before in the northern hemisphere at the tail end of the 2019 season before masks were even being worn. Um, we know that this, you know, it just, and, and lockdowns. We know that it was disappearing." So for whatever reason, and we don't know proven why, we know what isn't true, but what does cause it, we don't know for sure. But there's some clear correlation with viral interference, like a seesaw we see when COVID's up, the flu's down. Um, until this year, these variants seem to coincide with, with the flu, but the previous ones didn't. But the point is, we're like, dude, you're not going to have the flu. It's disappeared completely. completely. We already saw it. And I, and I turned to Kyle and I said, watch it's going to disappear and rather than saying we were wrong they're going to again have you killed and have you inherited they're going to use that against us to say see see it uh um the mask worked to get rid of the flu it didn't work to get rid of covid but you still have to wear it for covid even though it doesn't work but but it got, it worked for for the flu even though the flu was clear from day 1 the the um uh, CDC published in the New England Journal of Medicine 10 randomized controlled trials we had over the years that it didn't stop the flu. That we knew already. It was COVID that was new. But I want to know from your research, um, do, could you debunk that myth from your research that the mask stopped the flu?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I wrote an entire chapter on it in the book. It, it is really important. Uh, to debunk that because they 're going to keep using that justification for permanent masking in the winter is is my concern, just like what you, what you 're saying um, you know it, you can go back and look and I did this and and thankfully, the world Health Organization has all this data and you can pull you know when does the flu disappear you know not disappear, but when does it it decrease in normal years and compared to twenty twenty when when covid hit, and sure enough it goes the flu goes down earlier in 2020 than it does in 2019 or 2018. So I show that. And also you can compare across different countries. And, you know, like you say, here we're hearing, oh, well, Japan beat COVID because they all mask there. But the flu disappeared in Japan and Australia and the United States and Sweden all at exactly the same time with completely different strategies and and lack of masking or not enough masking and or, you know, what we've heard is not enough masking or entire population masking like in Japan. So there's no correlation with so the flu disappearing with masks, and it stays away in the winter, regardless of your policy. Like, like we say, Sweden has no masking, flu didn't come back in 2020 or 2021, even you know without that. So there's just no way to claim that that's what did it, and yet they'll still get away with it. and it, it's just mind-boggling. But there's a lot of ways to debunk it, and one of the, the ways I do in the book is just to show all these different countries and the curves going up and down at this exact same time, regardless of how much masking or not masking there is.
0: And I think the Sweden point is very important because they absolutely had kids not masking and they were in school the entire time. And while kids, despite their lies from day one are not major vectors of COVID spread, they definitely are major vectors of flu spread. I got four young kids and and that has certainly happened a lot. They are probably the primary vectors of of flu spread, especially um, certain strains of it. And, it, I mean, you would have seen that flu pop up there and to some degree in Sweden, and it was completely gone in 2020 in Sweden as it much as much as it was in places without kids in school, with kids masked, with adults masked. So that is debunked, um, you know, very thoroughly. Um, what other aspects of the book do you want people to know about? That really motivated you to write this, that you wanted as a as a marker to to lay down for the future,
1: I really wanted to try to show the transition between well and you mentioned this like all the studies that were done pre covid about masking to stop respiratory illness. And then their complete reversal of, and their, their flip flop in early 2020 to try to say masks are the most important thing we can do and they're going to reduce infections dramatically. And if everybody just masked, we could end COVID in a couple of weeks. And you know, people forget, but that's what they were saying. So the goal is to try to show, you know, here's what everything said before COVID. And, and like you said, the studies conducted on masks and for the flu show that it was useless there, too. Uh, and then here 's what everybody transitioned into trying to say that mass would accomplish, and then what were the results afterwards so that was the goal to try to lay out that story and and present a, a- as comprehensive a picture as possible over the country and the and the world really to say you know we did everything, we did what we were told, we got the compliance that we were told would end covid, and none of it worked so you know, there's there's no way to do that with just one chart or two charts. They had to kind of lay it out in a much broader scope, and so that was the goal with the book. And uh, so far, hopefully, it, it seems like that's accomplishing the goal with uh, people that have read it.
0: Have you studied at all in the in the book? And I don't remember, you know, if you've done this, you know, online on your Twitter account. Have you studied at all healthcare settings and you know just healthcare data from doctors and their infection rates, their death rates? Um, if there's anything we can glean from there,
1: I have done it mostly on Twitter, and it, it's it is fascinating. I haven't looked at it in a few months, but as of you know, mid 2021, the rate of infection in healthcare settings, and the CDC actually tracks this, where they they'll they'll show you know, how many healthcare personnel have had COVID cases among, and how many uh, healthcare personnel that they track, and the rates of infection among healthcare personnel were higher. Than those in the general population. And I mean, you know, some of that might just be explained by having more exposure to it, but we know that everybody in these healthcare settings is masked. We know that, and they've been masked from the very beginning. So if masks were having some kind of impact, you would think that they would, you know, they would at at worst just be doing the same as the general population because masks would be reducing their exposure in the hospitals, right? So, you know, they would just have community rates of transmission. But it's worse, which leads me to believe that, you know, the masking in the hospitals and the healthcare settings is just doing absolutely nothing.
0: And what's interesting and also tragic, too, is that to this day, one of several reasons why they're not giving proper care, not coming in often to do respiratory therapy, to get them moving, to to feed them, and they just let patients vegetate um, is because they say they're scared of getting it, even though they all have the shots and they all have the mask and other PPE as well, and they don't allow, you know, Dr. Tyson was on the show saying they don't allow life-saving nebulized budesonide, they don't allow nebulizers because they're worried about aerosols, and it's like, well, I thought I thought your thing works. I mean, it's it's literally like idolatry where it works and doesn't work at the same time. It works so much that you need the shot, and the shot works so much you need the mask, but even then, it's not enough unless the other guy's also wearing the mask. Um, do you have anything just to say on this um the mask is the most effective thing that you could break all social norms, beat up a woman, you know, in, in a store for not wearing it, uh, drag a two-year-old off the plane for not, it's, it's that effective and that uh, indispensable. But on the other hand, it drops to zero if the other guy is not wearing it.
1: It's, it's completely <laughs> ludicrous, isn't it? It doesn't stand <laughs> up to just the very basic logic that you would apply to that situation. And, uh, you know, I, I the biggest thing that has been really – angering me so far has been the the push to try to get N95 on kids you know and we hear oh uh, now they're admitting the cloth mask that we we pushed and we yelled at everybody to wear and that were the most important thing for two almost two years those are useless now everybody has to upgrade their mask and get better fit protection and and all this stuff and then you know somebody pointed out on twitter if you go back and look from early 2020 there's these photos of italian hospital workers in the early days of the pandemic and their faces are are bloody and bruised because they're wearing those n-95s to care for hospital patients and it was supposed to be this example of oh see how bad covid is and now we're going to make kids wear those same masks because you are you are convinced that your own vaccine doesn't protect you anymore I mean, it's it's just utterly absurd and you know there's no and even then, if unless these things are properly fit tested in 95s, as soon as you breathe and any air escapes from the the mask, the aerosols are in the room, and you're getting COVID anyway if you're susceptible to it. So it's just completely absurd what we're doing, and infuriating. And that, you know, it, that's the goal of the book. That's what I've been trying to do. Is just you have to destroy the entire argument that masks have any value at all. Because if you if you accept their premise and say, yeah, it might work a little bit, then there's no. They're they're giving them license to keep doing it forever, yeah. and that can't be acceptable.
0: Yeah, no, and I, and I think that's very significant because again, too many people get involved in in the in the science behind it. And we've had Stephen Petty on, and he does a great job destroying the science behind it, and the plosive energy, and obviously the size around the gaps and in in the gaps, and why it can't possibly work because it's the little guys that are are the problem. They're they're one tenth of a micron. Um, And they so therefore, A, they can get in and B, they're so light, they could float for like 10 days. Um, So it destroys the six feet thing, too, as well. The whole thing is is a myth. But but I, I find your work even more compelling because, you know, again, back to there's the in theory, there's no difference between theory and practice, but in practice, there is. You you could blow holes in a mannequin all you want and play around with that in a lab, but the bottom line is it don't work in the real world. It might work in your imagination. You can go play around with your lab, but it's clearly not working and never did for a single day. Um, terrific, terrific work again, folks. Um, uh, you could follow him at IanMSC on Twitter. Uh, if you're not following him, you don't know anything about about masks and COVID. On um, the book Unmasked. Ian Miller, the global failure of COVID mass mandates. Ian, good luck on the book and your future endeavors. We're really indebted to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: Take care. So, folks, again, that was Ian Miller, my friend from San Diego. Um, you know, a lot of people write books, and they're good people, and you know, it's kind of dry. Like, what's the point? You just want to make money. This book, I'm just gonna tell you straight up, you're stupid for not getting it. Everyone's calling me, Daniel. I, I need to debate someone. What? Show me this. Show me that. And it's like I can't, you know, help everyone out individually. You got to listen to the shows. I put it into, you know, educating hundreds of thousands of people. Um, I can't be an encyclopedia for every last person on demand. This is it. If you want, I have in all my career, you know, my career has always been the intersection of policy and communications. And how to give over and communicate the, a policy issue in the best way. I have never met a human being that has so owned an issue like Ian has. He has so crushed the mask Nazis. Like, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. He's got it all there. And, um, again, I, don't, I, don't need, I know he's in the entertainment industry. I don't really know what else he does. An ordinary man doing extraordinary things, and and that's what we need. We need each and every one of you to step up in your sphere of influence with your God-given talents. Just say no. Work on your state legislators. Demand they, they have a patient bill of rights. Demand there's a constitutional amendment put on the ballot to ban permanently all mask and vaccine mandates for all of time. These are things that must happen this is a genocide it is terrible and we are on our way to fully unmasking it we're, st- we're having a lot of fun this week despite all the the terrible pain that so many of our friends are going through we will get through this uh, we will inform you and most of all we strive to help you get through this till tomorrow god bless y'all and thank you